Hi, everyone. I'm Michaela Lieberman. And I'm Jeff Bellin. Welcome to Office Hours. So we're back with another episode of William & Mary Law School's podcast. That's a right. A conversation, you call it? A conversation, a cool, casual conversation with members of the law school faculty about topics that interest us and questions we have about those topics. Right. And the type of things that you'd see in the news and you'd walk down the hall and ask the professor if you were that kind of student. Right. Michaela kind of never comes to see me, but That's if you're right. the kind I'm of student, cool. you're the kind of student that would go and check in with the professor or you're another, another professor and you want to know what's going on in the world, you could just walk down the hall. That's what we're doing. So today we've got uh, Professor Eric Chasen. That's right. Eric Chasen is a uh, very well-loved, uh, some might say feared professor here. No, he's, he's a lovely guy, uh, runs a, a great set of classes. He teaches tax law, trust and estates, ERISA, uh, accounting for lawyers, which good luck trying to get into that one. Oh, yeah. Always a wait oh, list. Yeah. Okay. Um, and we have him on the show today to talk to us about Bitcoin. That's what he wanted to talk about. We asked him to talk about tax, and he said, right. no, thank you. Right. And we said, well. Right. I was like, is that a hard no? And he's like, keep floating topics, Keep buddy. floating topics. Yeah. yeah, what's in it for me? And he said, well, maybe I could talk about Bitcoin. Yeah. He said he's actually interested in Bitcoin. So there you he's go. working on some projects. He thinks it's interesting because uh, of how it's a currency that has arisen without kind of legal boundaries and, right. and legal rules. And so that says a lot of interesting things about other types of currency, cash, bank transactions, deeds. He keeps bringing up deeds. Deeds. You're going to hear a lot about deeds. deeds. I think uh, of that. When he says deeds, just think of like a mortgage for a house. That's right. right. That's, that's right. That's right. And it, Or like a little piece of paper that says, I own this, right? Oh, yeah. I tried that. I owe you. I tried. Is it just an IOU? It and is he, not he almost an IOU. came across the table at me like, whoa. Yeah, I've never seen someone so offended. <laughs> it was it was wild. Um, but so that's all to come. Um, we hope you'll you'll tune in with us. And um, a, a little piece of information that we learned from uh, Professor Chasen is that he's not only a tax and trust and estates, ERISA and Bitcoin expert, but he's also a celebrated musician. He's found time to play in a swing band. And a classic rock band. And a classic but rock you have band. But you have to pull the classic rock band. He's almost embarrassed of the classic rock That's band. That's right. He wants to talk about the swing band. Yeah, I would say he's almost cocky about the swing yeah. band. He really leads hard with that. He's like, here's what you want to know. Yeah, right. I'm in a swing band. That's right. They and have you're thinking, I didn't realize I wanted to know that. Yeah, and if you're Professor Ballin, you're thinking, what is swing? I actually did think He that. actually doesn't know what swing music is. Yeah. I know now. Yeah, so lots of lessons learned here. We hope you'll stay tuned. Enjoy this conversation with Eric Chasen. So the, uh, well, now it's recorded. I'm not sure we, how much I can really say about it. But kind of you just let this happen, okay? Don't worry about it. You just okay. let this happen. Yeah. So you can you can always tell who who sets the who, <laughs> uh, who 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 is in charge of the band by listening to the mix because you go show up and and there's like one instrument that just sounds like it's just really like a there's 17 people in this band. You only hear like one one person <laughs> one playing person. saxophone. You say, well, that that person's in charge of of the soundboard uh -huh. over here. Uh -huh. You just push that thing all the way up to the top. So. Nice. Wow. Yeah. Okay, wait. What do you play in the band? I play I play uh, tenor saxophone. I have. Oh, so it's you who's in charge of the. No, no, <laughs> no it's somebody else. Wow. Yeah. How long have you been playing in the band for? So this is a this is a swing band. I've played in this band for 
about five is. years. You don't know what a swing band is? It's like old, old to my you know, a swing Dog. band. Jeff, I, Jeff, Jeff, how old are you, Jeff? Don't you remember swing, the swing era? Yeah, how old how, are your you, listeners Jeff? are out there. They're probably thinking Jeff, Professor Bellin was, was around. So this, this is music from like uh, <laughs> Wait, 19, uh, 1935 uh, to 1945 <laughs> or something like that. So like, mm. like World War II, you think about like V-Day v or V-E-Day. Right. Now you remember that, yeah. Once you, once you get a little older... The memories start getting a little hazier, but just think back about <laughs> with all the sailors coming off the boat after after winning the war, right. Jeff. So and, that and yeah. that's so that's the music you play. That's I have that have, I have, and that I'm also in a, a uh, in a sort of a classic rock band. <gasps> so that's my, my other my other. <laughs> but also, you lead you lead with the swing band. Well, that's the one where I have they have the, the the guy with the the the, the, the soundboard. I see. So you got to go listen to recordings, story. and there's just there's a one instrument. Yeah. There's 17 instruments, and you only hear one. Also, so. I'm 110. <laughs> <laughs> okay, today we're joined by uh, Eric Chasen, who's a professor here at William & Mary Law School, where he teaches tax. What else? Some business stuff? I teach tax. This, this year I'm teaching tax, trust and estates, and accounting for lawyers. Okay. And I've also in the past have taught, um, recently have taught banking regulation, which is how I got interested in our topic today. That's great. Well, thanks for joining us, Professor Chasen. Well, thank you Chasen. for having me. Professor Chasen, we're going to start off just, we want to get to know you. There's right. a lot of demand to know you out there. I, I know. This is why you're doing this, because people want to know about me. I, I, get, I get requests about this all the time. <laughs> yeah, so. I know. And you you don't grant interviews, generally. Generally speaking, no. Not a lot of interviews. That's right. Yeah. Well, we're, we're honored to well, have you here. Thank you. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Where are you from? How'd you come here? Give us the deets. The deets. Oh gosh, this is well, how I came here. This is starting to become ancient history now. But I've, I've I came here in 2004, and uh, before I got here at William and Mary, I was in private practice in D.C. for six years mm -hmm. at a tax specialty law firm. And before that, I was I spent about two years in practice in Charlottesville, Virginia, and went to UVA Law School. And mm -hmm. before that, grew up in North Carolina. That's great. And did you always want to be? Um a, a trust and estates and ERISA and tax wizard. Wizard, yes, I've always wanted to be <laughs> one of these. I just cast my spells and uh, bring some magic. It, is, it actually is. A lot of tax lawyers, you you do like being think of yourself as a wizard. You know, you go out there and give your magical incantations and tell people what's going to happen, and most people just just believe you. So this is there's a lot of power. All right, so that's a yes. So, yeah. so yeah. since yeah, like yeah, four or five. Yeah, years ever since old. I was four or five, I've oh, okay. I've been planning this. Yeah. Yeah, my, my I had a colleague in, in my old firm who. He said that a good tax lawyer was somebody who, as a child, liked board games because because of the rule book. They thought the rule book was actually the fun part about a board uh -huh. game. So is, that, do, is that Yeah, that's probably, it was probably. I would just sit there and read that and you know, correct <laughs> everyone. Like, no, 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 no. If you look at page 47, you know, if the wizard casts fireball after three rounds of, you know, that's, that was me. So, yeah, yeah you're well, right. Did you have a lot of friends? Yeah, um, <laughs> well, um, real friends or imaginary friends? Gotcha. Okay. Question yeah. answer. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> one, one thing in your bio I thought we should bring in also, uh, you're not just a tax expert, but you were, now I'm not getting the details right, but were you the president of the faculty senate here at William & Mary? The faculty assembly. Okay. I was, uh, yes, the fact, I, I was the president of the William & Mary faculty assembly um, two years ago. And I am currently the faculty representative to the William & Mary Board of Visitors. All right. That sounds exciting. So more more powerful than you'd think, right? It's, so so this be, is, be there's a lot okay. of there's a lot of power there, Jeff. So just <laughs> you know, keep that in mind as you answer asking all these these uh, in depth questions and making fun of my childhood pursuits playing Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> well, um, keep keep an yeah. eye on who's responsible, yeah, okay, right? I think okay. Michaela. I, 
I don't have any power over Michaela, right. as far as I can tell. Okay. That's absolutely and right. And that's, that's why she's here. That's why I'm here. <laughs> right. That's so right. Let's get into the, the topic for today. Yeah, sure. this is something that you, actually, you've been interested in for a little while. Yeah. So, and, uh, yeah, so you, you start us off. Sure. So uh, this, my, um, the reason I, you guys brought me here today, I thought, at first I thought this was, I was going to say was, this was the international tax aspects of ERISA preemption, but you said, no, maybe not that, maybe next time for something <laughs> that exciting. But instead, it's, it's uh, Bitcoin and uh, Bitcoin regulation. So as I, I think I mentioned before, I, I, I started teaching banking regulation off and on um, after the financial crisis. So I think the okay. first time I taught the class was spring 2011. And I actually, what was, what I, what's interesting about, to me about getting into the subject is that I was um, turned, it, turned to it by a student who was actually a Bitcoin miner. And his in a prior I'm life. I'm so sorry. So, I'm going to have to stop uh, you. A Bitcoin miner. A Bitcoin miner. What does that mean? Okay, so like he's is, under 18. This is, yeah, miner. M I N E R. <laughs> oh, I see. So this okay. is like if you're going to be a if you want to go get Bitcoin, mm -hmm. and you want to do that in this state, what you have to do is you um, is you are become a Bitcoin miner, and um, do you want to talk about that right now, or do you want to talk about well, mine? We need to we need to know a little. Guess, yeah. So what's, so what's back, Bitcoin? Back Bitcoin. So bit. What is Bitcoin? Um, it's it's uh, it's a little hard to describe exactly what it is to someone who hasn't had um, an exposure to it before. Um, I'll give you a little bit of the story behind it, which is actually it's 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 a pretty interesting story that um, it's created by an anonymous person going by the name of Sato Satoshi Nakamoto. Okay. Almost everyone believes that this is not anyone's real name. It might be one person or multiple people, and uh, the 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 was first described in a white paper uh, released to this um, mailing list of what I think they're self-described uh, cypherpunks is how they would describe themselves on Halloween Day 2008. Mm -hmm. And it describes uh, a system of, of, of really what's interesting, what I found interesting if you read this original paper, and if you ever want to just find a, a source to get started, it's actually a really good place. It's the, the Bitcoin white papers probably would, if you ever just did a Google search on that. And he, he describes a system of, of, of transactions or transfers that are purely electronic and that and the way he describes it are, are purely peer-to-peer. -peer. And so what does that mean? Why is it important? So if you think about making writing a check to someone or doing a banking transaction if jeff wants to give me a lot of money for doing this once i get my paycheck for this <laughs> right. from jeff right um you know so he get jeff goes has to go do it through his bank he has to go if he wants unless he has some cash on his person wants to physically hand me something mm -hmm. physical cash he has to go uh go to his bank and write a check or do some electronic transactions so there's really two ways of making a transfer either by physical something gold cash, uh, whatever Jeff has on his person that he's going to give me. Sure. I have none and, of this. Oh, you have none of this stuff. Okay, well, I'm, I'm walking out right now. Okay, <laughs> Just over. a little bit of lint okay. in his pocket. Okay. No, but so there's this other possibility. Well, Maybe this I've other got possibility is that you go through your bank, a third-party institution. And so what the um, creator of Bitcoin wanted to do is he wants to create a system where I, or you or I or anyone can make a transfer of something that is not a physical aspect, it's just a, an intangible Mm -hmm. um, but with doing it directly from person to person, the way we would do it with 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 cash. Okay, so okay. with no bank, with no bank in, involved, okay. no government involved, and it would just be um, person to person. Okay. So like we could do it directly, and that was and it's and and solving the 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 challenges and problems of that system is really what 
makes bit has made Bitcoin such an interesting technology and why I find it interesting. I'm very dumb, and I don't understand, like, one thing about this. So let me just make sure I'm understanding. Yeah, go ahead. We're talking about Bitcoin. First of all, is it Bitcoin or Bitcoins? Well, I would say bit, it's whether it's – so there's not a physical coin anywhere. Okay. It's just a, it's just a name for um, a system. But, like, system. what's the plural? Plural. We could call it Bitcoins if we want – or okay. coin. I think coin is coin. fine. Bitcoin. We'll okay. call it Bitcoin. All right. I just want to make sure I'm using the yeah, terms Bitcoin correctly. Bitcoin is All right. Good. So we're talking about Bitcoin, and we're talking about – we're going to get into some of the hairy legal issues mm -hmm. that have um, arisen as a result of the, their sort of rise. Right. Um, and, and before we get there, I just want to make sure I'm understanding what this is. So it's essentially somebody or maybe a group of people published a paper and they said, we're going to make up a new form of money. Right, of cur right exactly. Of currency. Mm -hmm. And we're just going to trade it with each other. Well, and people bought that? People, people, well, originally, the, the creator of Bitcoin, there was no, it wasn't, he didn't sell it. It wasn't like an IPO where you have, okay, I have, have 100,000 Bitcoins. Let me just go find a bunch of suckers to go buy this stuff, and I'll go run away with it at the, at the bank. What he does, he creates a system by which, and this is where the miners come in, where there's, initially, it's just a very little amount that uh, Satoshi Nakamoto has, but then he creates this, it's a really computer what you might call a computer protocol or computer program where if you want to get Bitcoin, what you would do is either you would buy it from someone who has it now or you would engage in a mining process by which you would really all you do in, in a mining process is you solve a, 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 a computationally difficult puzzle. And you might think of it as being like finding a needle in a haystack. Mm -hmm. And so with a computer. So you just think of, of uh, there's a random number that you need to find and out of how many numbers it is, how, do you, how quickly can you get it? The first person to find the random number or find the needle in the haystack wins that contest. Contest happens every 10 minutes, and the winner of that contest then gets the, uh, the mining prize. And so that is where Bitcoin ar has arisen, was from the, the mining process where miners would then compete with each other, see who can solve the puzzle the fastest, Whoever solves the puzzle fastest wins, gets the Bitcoin. Okay. And and so these that's that's where that's the the, the pro so it's not like it's a an enterprise or a corporation where if I create some IPO that I want to have, I have some corporation I want to go sell a bunch of shares. That's not really how Bitcoin came about. It's really more uh, created by the expansion of the supply of Bitcoin through the mining process, where people would would uh, mine for it. Early on, most of the mining was done by Satoshi Nakamoto, but after in, after 2009, other people start getting involved and, and uh, engaging in the mining process. So, so right. let me say, is it, they're kind of like IOUs, maybe, like that you, but they're, they're backed up somehow. No, right? so backed up by nothing. <laughs> yeah. Okay, okay. So there's, but that's uh, to say, like, say, but it has to be backed up some way, and maybe that's where the electronics no. come in? Well, back, well, let's, let, okay, so we, here's, here's what, what here's the, the, the genius of it, if you will, is that Bitcoin is really, it's just, uh, you might think of it as of a starting point as just a, a, a series of records. And the way I like to describe it is like a, a set of deeds in a, in a deed registry. Where you, we, law students, if you're a law student listening to this, you would have done this in first year property where you right. learn about things like chain of title. And, um, and then you have this repository of deeds and it tells who owns Black Acre, who owns White Acre, and you have all these chains right. of ownership. 
So you have this set of records. So if we map that kind of system to Bitcoin, we have a system, a set of records, but really what it is is the, the records are electronic, and everyone who participates in the community just has the same set of records. So we, I might download that set of records, Jeff might download it, Michaela might download it, right. and we all have the same set of records, so we're all sharing the same yeah. record base. So if you mm -hmm. meant by backed up, yeah. like where, where the There's records are held, there. Right. There is, it's just everyone is, sh is sharing the same set, 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 set of records. Okay, but what, what about this? So, so like what if I, so I don't, uh, let me just put this on the record, I don't have any Bitcoin or bitcoins, or a, or yes. one or one, one, or, one, one, one or of many. these things is like can't $10, even say. Dollars, so. Yes. Okay. Yeah, and it's sad. So people could send me them. That's fine. Well, you, well, you but send them to send right, them here, to Jeff Bellin. Here's the here's the point then. If I just show up in somewhere and I say, hey, I do have seventy bitcoin. How do people know I don't? How how do I know you don't? Or yeah. How do I know so how do they make it so that I don't actually have them just by saying I have them? Okay. So how do, how do I how do you prevent? So how do you prevent fraud? Right. So if I don't have if I don't really am not a true owner. So we all have this. I've had the rec. I've had the records. We all have the records, and it has a list of all the transactions that have ever occurred. Now, what makes it different from the deed registry is that we don't identify ourselves in Bitcoin by our names. We have what you would call a public address, which is just a series of numbers and letters and things like that. So then the question would be, how can Jeff, you can, how can you convince me yeah. that you have the Bitcoin? So um, you want you could actually do it, and if you could transfer it to me, that would be one way you could do it. Um, uh, that might be kind of a dangerous way for you to do that okay. if, you, if you were just trying to prove to me that you had it. Um, another way you could do it, though, would be if you could say, well, I own these Bitcoin. I can point to you where it's at in the system of records uh -huh. that exist, and I'll make a transfer of those Bitcoin just to myself. Yeah, but, but to, you're, you're, answering, you're answering the question I meant, which is, so if I pay you in Bitcoin, you can tell I really did because there's a key that only I have, some kind of numbers and right. letters, that, that, and that's it's, what makes me own it, is I have this number. Your possession, your, I'm, I said before that your, your public identity is by this numer alphanumerical public address that you have. Mm -hmm. And the way you control that identity is by possessing what you might call a private key. It's like a password. So you might think of the public address as being like your username, even though it doesn't have to be describing anything. It's just sort of looks like random numbers and letters. And then you have a private key that only you possess that allows you to control the Bitcoin by um, essentially creating a cryptographic signature of the transfer. So you sign the transfer instead of by hand, you sign it with a cryptographic function that where you prove that you have the private key. You, you don't have to reveal it to anyone, but you can prove, you can, that's the magic of cryptography, is you can prove to someone that you possess the right private key without actually showing the person the key. Because so no one else has the key that I have for my particular Bitcoin. That would be, that's right. You would know, your key should be, would be, um, should be unique. If somebody, if somebody else has it, then has your key, then they, somebody else actually has your Bitcoin. Right. So if I, for example, if I somehow got a hold of your key, I could just transfer all of that to myself, and there's really no way of stopping. That's what I was going to get that. at next, and that's where the kind of legal pieces may, yeah. might come in, is that, like, so I can't call customer service and be like, hey, they're not respecting, yeah, right. like Michaela during the podcast took my Bitcoin. Yeah, there's these, there's stories about people who are early miners or early uh, um, uh, believers in Bitcoin who either had their private keys were hacked, and uh, I think there's one story of somebody who had, I don't know how much Bitcoin he had, but current, I think the current dollars, maybe 100, 200 million dollars worth of Bitcoin, the early days of Bitcoin, somebody like 
got into his computer and took his private key and took all of his Bitcoin. Mm. His Bitcoin would be worth millions of dollars today. There's some other story, I think, of somebody who had, um, he, had a, all, he was doing some early Bitcoin mining. It was all on his computer. His, pass, his private key was there. He sort of forgot about it because, you know, 2010, 2011, no one was really paying attention to this stuff very much. Threw his computer out to the landfill and then a few years later realizes that he has millions of dollars of wealth bound up on his landfill, and it becomes such a public nuisance that the locality just had to ban people from going out to the landfill. It's like, you can't look for this guy's computer anymore. Wow. So that, it, unlike a credit card or a check, if there's a mistake or a theft or a fraud, if, I, if like Jeff's over here trying to steal all my money, if he steals my credit cards, I can call up Visa or MasterCard or my bank and say, hey, Jeff Bellens, he's at it again. He stole my money. Right. Um, but if it's Bitcoin, there's no customer service because all it is is just a series of records that everyone has. And there's nothing, your, your identity, in some ways you're, you are depersonified in mm. Bitcoin. I'm not saying that in a bad way, mm -hmm. but your, your, your identity is really just a set of numbers and possession of a private key. It's not that, that, that Jeff Bellin is not uh, considered to be uh, a user, Eric Chasen not considered right. to be a user yeah. of Bitcoin. It's just that I'm a user because I have a private key and a public address. So let me ask you this. This is going to seem really simplistic, um, but where, like, where am I using Bitcoin? And why do I care if somebody steals it anyway? Because like, what I'm imagining is like, um, it's, uh, it's essentially like those little rings that you would scoop up on Mario Kart and like I don't mm -hmm. actually know what kind of value they have but but places actually transact in these right I mean I could use a Bitcoin to buy well, a coffee most somewhere. most directly so so there's there's really two a couple of different ideas about what what you're getting why do people have this stuff um, one is if you had a bit had Bitcoin right now uh, there are exchanges where it's traded more like more or less like a security or a commodity where people buy and sell it for value. Okay. So the current value, I haven't checked it today. Yeah, I think Michaela could use the yeah. actual value. What, yeah, what's like the value of one Bitcoin? $10,000. Oh yeah. my God, so That's a lot of coffee. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's a lot of, lot of, Oh God, that's a, lot a, of, that's a lot big of, caffeine buzz. A lot of, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there are some some stores or some some vendors, I think Overstock was a early adopter of allowing customers Overstock. to pay. Overstock.com? Uh, yes, Overstock.com. It was, uh, I think the, the founder was, um, there's a certain uh, libertarian ethos that uh, goes along with Bitcoin. Uh -huh. I, I suspect that, that he he um, adopted it at Overstock.com because he had some sympathies with that. Um, but you could use it at Overstock, and there's some other other online venues where you could use it to buy uh, goods and services. I, I wouldn't say that it's common or frequently used in that okay. way. People do use it, uh -huh. um, and I'm not saying it's not it's trivial, but it's not. I don't think that that's what's driving most of the interest. I think most people are buying it more as an investment the way they might buy gold, silver, precious metals. So just uh, holding it. To hold it with the expectation that maybe one day it will be commonly used as a, a medium of, of a, a medium of exchange. Right. Like that's Satoshi Nakamoto thought that he was creating a system of 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 uh, of, of of currency. Um, I don't, I, and it's used that, that way some now, but I think most people are buying it now thinking as an well, that will as an investment I as to, 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 to buy it, hold it, and hope that it goes yeah. right. I yeah. What I about, Michael, you, you mentioned that you're kind of scared of uh, Bitcoin. Yeah, they yeah. creep me out. Like, yeah, what what's, what's creeps you out about it? I don't know. It feels like it's like part of the dark web. No, I think there's the anonymity. Yeah, there is. Right? There is. There, it's, it's, um, 
it's used, it's the same, well, Bitcoin is used for illegal activity for the same reason that cash is used for illegal activity, uh -huh. which is that it's hard to, to trace. Hard, hard to but trace what about that crypto signature, that crypto identity? Can't they so, trace it right to me? No. Oh. It would be impossible to trace it to, well, maybe if you had something with your transactions. So if we know that, we know that, um, that Michaela likes to go to Starbucks every morning mm -hmm. and, and buy 10,000 coffee. 10, coffee. Buying, <laughs> buying all this coffee. Yeah. And, and so somebody could maybe, if we knew that, okay, we see that there's something on the public ledger where someone comes into Starbucks every morning and buys some coffee. Mm -hmm. And we'd be able to figure that out by looking at the, the activity on the, on the, 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 public, the public records of Bitcoin. We could then maybe use that to associate the anonymous, the, uh, the, the, the numbers and letters of your public address on Bitcoin right. with a real person. But if you just took it and held it and didn't do anything with it, didn't have any way of associating it with your economic activities, it might be quite hard to, to figure out who, who it belongs to. So there is a, it's not exactly correct to say that it's anonymous, uh, because we people do have something like identities on in Bitcoin, right. but it's really more of a, a cryptographic identity where it's like letters and numbers or use anonymous usernames, I suppose, is okay. maybe the best analogy for it. So given that, and you mentioned that it sort of takes root in this libertarian right. uh, ethos, what's, um, wh what's the public sentiment about it? Like, is there an outcry for regulation because it's taking off and like is there a sense that we need to figure out a way to transact responsibly with these things or to allow people to invest in these things responsibly what what's what's well, I think we're the conversation? at a point where I think that people recognize that there's a lot of power and there's also some dangers and risks of of of, of bitcoin so the power is as I started by saying the the idea behind bitcoin is to allow for there to be a an electronic direct transfer between two people that does not involve a central institution. That actually, if that actually simplifies the life of people in some ways. If I want to have a transfer for particularly large financial institutions, they might find it convenient to to transact transact with each other using something that looks like Bitcoin, using the technologies without having to. Um, to um, go through central in institutions or clearing houses. Mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a very convenient thing. And so there's a lot of interest by regulators and financial institutions to use um, the technology that underlies Bitcoin, it's called the blockchain, uh, to simplify uh, transactions, to make transactions cheaper, uh, more transparent, and, um, and, um, and faster. So that's, that's, there's some excitement about that by financial institutions, right. by governments and regulators, where there's some things that happen that could just be done via what I've just called the blockchain, which is that the, the mechanism by which the, maybe like the transmission system by which Bitcoin is transferred is under the, the blockchain is the way that that happens. The, the concerns, the, though, are, well, there's lots of concerns. One is the anonymous nature of Bitcoin, that it, it lends itself to... Uh, makes it e a, an easier way to conduct illegal activity. My concern. Um, that's yeah. one. But, but it's interesting because you raised, I mean, is that different from cash? No, it's not different from yeah, cash. Well, it's different from cash. It's easier. Here, here's what's different about it from cash is that if I, if, um, if someone is holding you up for, they've, they, there was maybe a year ago, I think, there was these vi the virus that was going around and it would crash your computer right. and it would say, oh, to unlock it, send some, however much Bitcoin to some address. Right. And what makes it easier, makes Bitcoin 
not make, doesn't make Bitcoin bad, but what makes it convenient for the person who did this is that they don't have to create a bank account anywhere. They mm -hmm. don't have to open it. If, if I just said, mm -hmm. oh, send, if you want to open up your, have, have your computer be freed up, send, send uh, $500 to Eric Chasen's bank account, right. then well, everyone knows that I'm the criminal. And then uh, it, my, my little scheme won't last very long. But if I just say send a certain amount of Bitcoin to a certain address that I control, there's no way that anyone knows that I'm controlling it. That's so that's why it makes it convenient for someone who's conducting illegal activity because you can do that direct peer-to-peer -peer transfer. It's anonymous. We don't have to go through institutions. There's no institution that's going to monitor us. And so it gives people a lot of freedom, um, but also gives them the ability to um, do things that may be... Um, uh, policymakers and 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 uh, lawmakers wouldn't like. Gotcha. And now I interrupted your list of concerns. So that was number one. Yeah, one is that's one concern. Is the is, is the other is just the it's it's a very volatile um, commodity right now. Bitcoin itself, it's been it's in the news a lot because it's gone up a lot, but it's also gone down a lot. I think it was up to like twenty thousand dollars per Bitcoin. Now it's more like ten thousand dollars per Bitcoin. A bargain. A year ago, <laughs> yes. Well, a year ago, I think I can't, we, 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 the perfect time would have been to buy. Well, a year ago, I think it was like I don't know, twelve or thirteen hundred dollars a coin or something like that. So it's just it's it's gone. It go, it's very volatile. Unlike say a, a um, usual currency transactions. If you look at what the euro does against the dollar, it might it fluctuates, but it's a pretty narrow range of. Of, of values that the euro goes against the dollar. So it doesn't, the volatility makes it look more like a speculative hmm. uh, asset hmm. that people are buying. Some people suggested that it's a, it's a bubble uh, surrounding Bitcoin. So one of the other concerns is the just your usual concern about investors putting money into something and then losing it without really understanding what they're, what they're buying. And also just the, I'd say so far the Regu U.S. regulators and other countries haven't really come up with a great way of saying how, well, how should we treat this? Should it be like a security? Should you be able to have it in a mutual fund or a other mainstream investment um, uh, portfolio? And um, so there's places where you can buy it. Coinbase is maybe the best known exchange for Bitcoin. So you can actually just go and could, buy a Bitcoin you at could go Coinbase. Yeah, you could go to Coinbase and buy it. But if you wanted to go, to, as far as I know, if you wanted to go to Fidelity or Charles Schwab or whatever, uh -huh. uh, you don't have the capacity to do that at the more commonplace, ordinary um, um, financial institutions. Where, and Because they're, they're scared of it. It's, they're, they're not sure that... They're a little afraid of being involved with it because of the regulatory issues involved. So they just haven't been getting into it. Uh, and part of it's uncertainty. Right. So given all of that, what's your advice for somebody like me? Do I go out and try to, when the next crash happens and the price lowers, so you, I, I would, go? I would just say, like any investment advice, I would say just don't, don't, I wouldn't put any more into it than you feel like you could lose. Okay. So if you feel like, if you, if you want to put, if you have just... Ten thousand dollars sitting around in your pocket that you feel like okay, I don't mind if I lose that, and I'm, I'm okay um, yeah, throwing it in change. this. You have some pocket change sitting around, <laughs> right? Um, sure, but I would say if you're if you're thinking about building a portfolio, a portfolio for your retirement or something, or something like of, right. that, it's probably not uh, would not be a 
one of your mainstays in your in your in your portfolio. That's okay. my my that's your my, advice. My, 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 I'm not sure if I can give. I'm not sure if it's legal to give advice. I'll have to ask my, my lawyer Jeff Ballin. Right. Luckily, he, luckily yeah. that was not advice of any kind. I mean, basically, you said if we would be willing to throw it in the trash can, we could also well, invest well, it. The in trash Bitcoin. can is maybe a little too strong. But I think if 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 there was something, if you thought that you were okay with, no, it's, it's a speculative asset. I, I would say right. Maybe this thing will work. Maybe maybe ten years from now, people will be transacting with Bitcoin, and maybe. We'll just say, oh, we don't really want dollars anymore. We want to we want to transact in Bitcoin. We find that convenient, mm -hmm. and there's something about it that we find appealing, and the price goes way up because everyone feels like they need to have it in order right. to transact their daily lives. Or it could be that we just forget about we it. We forget about it, and it's and like, we oh like, yeah, remember that? that? This is like we can put that in here in the uh, all the other weird fads of 2017. And, and So what's your scholarship in this area about? Give us a preview. Oh, sure. So I'm working on a pro my project is looking is is um, looking at Bitcoin as a legal institution hmm. and thinking about it as as an analog to that deed system, the system of real estate deeds. That the the, the, the big one of the big technological problems that Bitcoin solves is after, uh, let's say I transfer Bitcoin. What prevents, and I have this control of my, I have my public address, I have my private key, I control the Bitcoin, now I've transferred it. What prevents me from transferring Bitcoin again to someone else? So just having what's called a double spend. Hmm. This is the same kind of problem that you, in first year property, when you have things like the race statutes and the race mm -hmm. notice, et cetera, that you deal with. And the solution is a central repository of records by which we can go search for chain of title and, and, and that's, like that. that's just like a house. Like it would be a problem if you could sell your house three times right, to three exactly. different people. Right, exactly. If you sold your house three times to three people, that's a problem. And, and, it would, and it would, Bitcoin would collapse if, if, we, if somebody could sell the same Bitcoin three times because wouldn't, you wouldn't stop at three. You'd do it until, the, yeah. until it became valueless. And and so Bitcoin, it, what's what's interesting about it is 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 that the the system allows for a, creates an incentive for the community. We all have a, a system of a, a community that has the same records that we're all having on our, our computers, by which we all kind of come to an agreement about what was the order of transactions. Mm -hmm. So if I make a trans transfer of some Bitcoin to Jeff today, and I try to do it to send it to Michaela tomorrow, um, the community would say, oh, well, you've already you've already made the transaction of that Bitcoin to Jeff. You don't own it anymore. Transaction to Michaela is no good. Right. And so that's the, the getting the community to come together of users, whoever, you're just, just yeah. disparate commu computer users. Got it. Who don't really, aren't really thinking about this, but creating a system by which they will all come to a consensus about mm -hmm. the order of transactions and the fact that I, after I make a transfer to Jeff, I can't double spend it and give it to Michaela. And, and so this could, is really a story of unity, is what you're saying. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's like we all come together and sing kumbaya. Yeah. It's like it's kumbaya. Nice. Is that? Yeah, I'm not sure. Well, maybe. And and this thing that you talk about, maybe what's interesting about it is that you wouldn't need any kind of law. So there would be Dude. some clarity to who sold it first, and you wouldn't need like if, exactly. if there was a fight about who I sold the house to, you might have to have litigation. Exactly. So if I have if I if, if I send if I give Bitcoin to Jeff and I try to give it to Michaela later. The community would just would disregard, would just say, no, you've already, you, yeah. you can't do that. Right. We don't, and Michaela would not really have a, a court. There's no Bitcoin court for Michaela to say, oh, but it's really mine. Right. I'm really the one who really should have this. Hmm. And I don't, I think that there is something about the, that, that I'm really the right, rightful owner. But if it was a real estate transaction, if I gave, had two deeds and one was to Jeff and one was to Michaela, then, well, 
courts get involved, or a, and and that's who who makes the decision. So it's 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 a a way of having these of having um, something like a transfer of title, which we think of as being an inherently legal um, event that involves the state, but it's really occurring in the absence of law or any kind of state action altogether. It's really a technological, in some ways, a um, social engineering system by which this is, is this is occurring instead of a legal institution. So it's really replacing, in some ways, it's, it's replicating the functions of an important legal institution, which is what I think is interesting about it. Wow. Well, I think that's interesting, too. Thank you so much, Professor Oh, well, thank Tracy. you for this having has me. Been, this has been great. Yeah, more, more interesting than I thought. Honestly, well, I'll, I'll take that. But you were very well loved, and I can understand why. This was a great conversation. Well, thank you. Thanks. It was great. Well, that's our conversation with Professor Eric Chasen about Bitcoin, which I actually found surprisingly interesting. Yeah, fascinating. I followed about 40%, but the 40% was scintillating. It was kind of like, uh, this is some information. And if you really want to know, you're going to have to keep digging. Right. But you didn't even know this. That's right. That's right. And and so I didn't realize that Bitcoin was, I, I just thought of it as like um, like an animated dollar that you use online. But you mentioned the, the Mario coins. Yeah, that's how that I'm That was kind of revealing. It right. <laughs> was revealing. Because those aren't really that valuable. Are they not? I don't know one thing. Y even in the game, I don't think you get much from them. Well, shows what I know. But we learned, actually, in your defense, we learned after uh, that you could actually divide the Bitcoin into little pieces. That's so you right. could buy a cup of coffee with Bitcoin. That's right. And I had suggested that that was silly. That's right. And now I feel bad. You should. Because, you know. <laughs> Someday you should buy me a Some... cup of coffee with Bitcoin. I look forward to that day. And that would be the ultimate revenge. That's right. I can't wait. Right. Well, thanks for tuning in, everybody. Next week on the podcast, we have a terrific guest. Her name is Stacey Kernshear. So Make some space in your ear. <laughs> Make some space <laughs> in your ear. Make some space in your ear. Find time. Listen to it. She's got a lot of answers right. for us about health policy.